Hello, hello, you chasers of excellence. Patrick here with a quick introduction to this week's show. We are returning to our benchmark series this week. Our benchmark series is when I go back through the archives and find some of the biggest, most impactful uh, keystone episodes that Ben and I have put out over the last three to four years and bubble them back up to the surface uh, for those folks who maybe haven't heard them or just for the rest of us who... Uh, could stand to listen to them again, to be reminded. Uh, so that's what we're going to do this week. We are going to, I was thinking about what I wanted to do with the benchmark series f- going forward. And I think it makes the most sense to revisit perhaps one of the biggest concepts that Ben and I talk about on the show here, which is the five factors of health. And so we have in the past done individual episodes on each one of those. And so over the course of the next however many months, uh, we're going to revisit each one of those uh, episodes. And so uh, look forward to those. You can always go back through the archives and find each one of those if you do not want to wait for the benchmark series. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews, for your questions, for your notes. Uh, We do appreciate them. So keep them coming. We'll keep the episodes coming. Ben and I will be back next week with a new episode of Chasing Excellence. But until then, enjoy this benchmark, the 10 principles of nutrition. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stop. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm good, Patrick. Thank good. you. Today, we're going to do something. I, we Months ago, many months ago now, we, uh, we introduced the notion of the five factors, five factors of health. I'm going to, our first question will be kind of a quick recap of what that is. Um, and then we started to break down each one of those five into your uh, for lack of a better term, 10 principles of, for example, um, sleeping or 10 mm-hmm. principles of connecting. Um, and then I completely forgot about them and we haven't talked about <laughs> them since. So I realized the other day that we have a few more of these five factors who, that we haven't broken down into uh, the 10 principles of. And so today we're going to do that. We're going to do that with uh, nutrition or eating, right? Love it. So uh, before we get into that, for those folks who might be new, who may not know what the five factors are, uh, why don't you give us a quick recap of what that means when we say that? Sure. So this is um, in terms of the factors that affect your fitness. And this is the factors that you essentially have control over. So there's probably a couple others that we could talk about. But here's here's kind of the gist of this thing. If you were to go to the doctor and you had a good doctor, um, they would do more than just prescribe medicine to you. They would talk to you about, you know, there's some root causes to what's happening. It's not about you know, let's say you have something in your shoe, right? Mm-hmm. That a rock in your shoe that's causing a lot of pain. They wouldn't go, here's an Advil. They would go, well, let's look in your shoe. Oh, look at this. We could remove this rock. So they're looking for the root symptoms of this thing. Most of these, the root symptoms have to do with these five factors. Mm-hmm. So those are, the first one is what you eat. So it's your nutrition. It's what we're going to talk about today. The next one is your movement, your exercise, your training. And that's that's awesome. That's a, that's a probably the majority of where these things are going to stem from. I'm glad that doctors are starting to talk about that. Certainly trainers are and um, the like, but it's not, I don't think it spells out the whole story. Mm-hmm. And to tell the whole story, you have to add in, I believe three others, and that is sleep. And we've talked about sleep on this podcast a fair amount yep. and sleep and how important it is. The next is um, what you think. Um, so 
you could be eating all the right stuff and training the right way and getting enough sleep. But if you're telling yourself the wrong story, yep. that's not going to work. And the people might be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. What you tell yourself about your stress matters. If you believe your stress is making you stronger, guess what? It's going to make you stronger. If you believe your stress is killing you, it's going to kill you. So what you think about really, really matters. And the last one, which is kind of like a little more um, soft for most people, is um, connection and your relationships you have with people. And the big one there is, you know, this huge, massive study that came out of Harvard for generations and generations. It's a, it's, um, it's the number one correlate to health and wellness is the meaningfulness of these relationships. Not how many you have, but how deep are those relationships? Got it. Cool. So those are the five factors. You have more? Uh, I was just going to say the, the two that the two that also for sure affect it yeah. and we should be looking at, but you don't have control over, so we don't lean into them so much, is your DNA. Yep. It's what's being passed down to you for your, from your, your parents. Yep. But, you know, this, this, this kind of school of epigenetics of like, what light switches are we pulling and turning on based off of those other factors matter a lot. So yes, like you're going to get brown hair and brown eyes. You're going to be a certain height to an extent, but like whether these certain genes manifest themselves, you know, cancers Mm -hmm. have a lot to do with the five factors. It's not just this was passed down. Oh, I'm screwed. So you can do that. The other one is environmental. And if you live in a smog ridden city, like it's going to, you're gonna have a harder time thriving than if you live in pristine meadows and bubbling brooks of the mountains. Right. Got it. Okay. But those don't, we don't have as much control over. So we lean into the other five. All right. So we're going to dive right into uh, our 10 principles here of nutrition or eating. The first one being avoid added sugar. So there's a higher, so we're going to talk about 10 principles, but let me, maybe people are in a really a rush and they don't want to listen to this and they want something to take away. Like mm-hmm. there's actually three really quick things that we kind of like hit them over the head with to like, if you take these things away from this, you're going to be set up really well. And that is eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. Mm-hmm. That is our prescription for the athletes that we work with at the gym. That if that, <laughs> there's a lot of nutrition books that don't say as much as what those three words just said. Everything that we're going to talk about in these 10 reside underneath that umbrella they're in one of those three categories which is eat real food not too much mostly plants so this first one of um avoid added sugar is eat real food like in real in nature there is no added sugar it doesn't exist yet what we've done through the commercialization of food and the business of food and it is a massive massive business in the trillions of dollars of manufactured food-like substances. This is foods that did not grow out of the ground or uh, were alive at one point. They are a company trying to figure out how to get more revenue. And the number one way to do that is to get it to taste better and want more and not fill you up. Then, oh my God, this is so good. I want more. Oh my God, this is so good. I want more. Imagine if we could do that at the gym. like, Mm. And we just want got people to come in more and more. It would be an amazing, amazing thing. Everybody would love to have that. Like the more you have, the more you want. Like the more shampoo you use, the more you want to use shampoo. (laughs) They've figured it out. They've hacked it. And the way they've done it is through sugar. Our body craves a sweet because it's um, back when food was scarcity. That used to be a real indicator of like, hey, sit and stay with this thing. This is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've grown to love it. So, But we also know that sugar, particularly, particularly added sugar, 
is the road to chronic disease. Um, you know, hyperinsulinemia. Hyper means too much. Insulin, insulin is insulin. It's a hormone in our body. And anemia is blood. So too much insulin in the blood is the precursor to all of the chronic diseases that we have in, the, in Western society. So everything from heart diseases to cancers to diabetes and all the stuff in between is mostly correlated, uh, correlated to people having too much sugar in their diet. Number one thing that we could do is eliminate the added sugars. I'm not saying sugars. Mm-hmm. Eat your fruit. Have a banana. Like, don't avoid those things. Those things are awesome. There is zero added sugar in an orange or a pineapple. You you can go create. Go do it. I'm not saying sugars. Eliminate added sugars. Yep. Now, sugars also live in a whole bunch of different names. They figured they know people look for the word sugar. So. Um, evaporated cane juice, molasses, uh, rice syrup are all different code names for sugar. So when you flip over that label, don't look at the sugar's numbers right there. Look in the ingredients and see if there is added sugars. Cool thing is that they are actually um, mandating that companies start to, I think it's starting next year, they have to add in on the nutrition label added sugars. There'll be mm. a number next to it. Got it. Um, there was there was a period during, during CrossFit that uh, everybody seemed to go towards agave thinking that it was somehow a better yeah. sugar. Is that uh, where where do you come down when, Nat, when somebody comes those to Those sugars, if they're added in, so agave, maple syrup, yeah. um, molasses, honey, mm-hmm. all those things. Things that might be natural. Those are added sugars. Okay. That's a food. That's like taking your banana and adding honey on top. Yes, you sounds good. Yeah, right? But that's what the deal <laughs> yeah. is. We're not adding those things on. Those is an added sugar. Like sugar. Sugar comes from the, you know, sugar cane. It's natural. Like- yep. We're trying to avoid those adding sugars on. Got it. Okay, next one. Steer clear of processed foods. Okay, so after sugar, the next real uh, like evil would be processed foods. And there's things that don't have high sugar content that we still want to avoid. Think um, bagels. Think uh, chips. Um, pastas and breads and um, things like that. Those are, while they don't have a lot of sugar, they have a super high... Um, Without getting um, they affect your uh, insulin the same way sugar would. So whether this we've seen this in tests, whether you put a teaspoon of sugar on your tongue or a piece of bread on your tongue, your body responds to it the same way. Yeah, it's that's sugary. So those mm-hmm. high glycemic carbohydrates are going to be processed in the body the same way that sugar would. So while we definitely want to add avoid added sugar, we also want to realize that those aren't the only things that are causing these adverse effects in our body. We want to eliminate the processed foods as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the obvious ones are like like Ho-Hos and Twinkies right. and ice cream and stuff like that. But it's the other things too, like bagels and fat-free tortilla chips. And uh, you know, not tortilla chips aren't the end of the world, but if we can kind of like pull those things back. Yep. And then by default, if we do that, we're leaning more and more into the eat real food category, which mm-hmm. is what we're trying to do is the first thing. Yep. Got it. Next one, eat only when you're hungry. So now we're leaning into the second one, eat real food, not too much. Yep. So how do we classify not too much? You could do anything from uh, Weight Watchers, you could do zone, you could do macros, you could do calorie counting, you could do all those things. You don't need to. Mm-hmm. If you just only ate when you were hungry and you did not have seconds at dinner, 
you didn't snack between meals and you didn't have dessert you and you ate real food, you're going to be right in line with the amount of calories that you should have. Again, don't eat when don't eat out of boredom, only eat when you're hungry, don't have seconds, don't snack, don't have dessert. Mm-hmm. If you eat out of hunger, that's the way we should be operating. Would you recommend, because I, I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, you said don't, don't eat out of boredom, but boredom can sometimes feel like hunger, right? If you, you know, yeah, I remember the, sure. the story yep. that you've talked about, mm-hmm. um, not even, not, I don't think it was boredom, it no, was there's, there's routine. It was like when you would- Pavlov's would, dog. Yeah, when you would eat a, you know, eat a big snack at, at night after eating what you should, you know, yeah. should have been enough food. You had just gotten into a habit of- convincing yourself that kids went to bed and I get, I think it was like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a parfait parfait. or something, right? And so that wasn't hunger, that wasn't boredom, but it felt like hunger, right? So is part of the, is part of the process of, of only eating when you're hunger, like really trying to figure out, am I hungry or do I just want to stop looking at this computer for five minutes? Like, how do you? Yeah. So I would, I would put those two things together, right? Which is, um, eat when you're hungry. But then don't snack second dessert. And what so, I was doing was slack, so, like yeah. all kind of all three of those things. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was having dinner and then I would go for a parfait afterwards, yeah. which is seconds, yep. which is a snack and, a, and it is a dessert. dessert. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's one of the, so. So set meal time, like literally create, set meal times on the calendar and that's when you eat. And we no should time. be able to get by, you know, like men's fitness forever ago when I started coming up, told us that we should be eating lots and lots of small meals. Yep. Um, when you do that, you never give your body a chance to digest something. You're kind of constantly in this post-digestive state. You're kind of constantly with these elevated insulin levels. If you instead ate a really nice, clean meal at you know seven in the morning, then you had a really nice, clean meal at noon. You had a really nice, clean meal at six o'clock. We should be able to get through the day with those three meals. That should be enough. Now, if you can't, okay have an afternoon snack at the two o'clock doldrums. Like I get it. Like I'm not saying, okay, you can't out of that. Okay. Have the 10 o'clock snack in the middle of the day as well. Now you're eating every two, three, four hours. If you can't make it past that, something's wrong. Would it make more sense to just adjust the amount of food you're eating at that seven? Possibly, but I don't want people, because one of the things is like, we don't want to go back for seconds. You don't want to make a huge like meal. You can overeat at a meal and cause a bad insulin response just by having too much. You could actually have like really good high quality protein, really good veggies, really good healthy fats. But if that meal isn't five, six, seven, eight hundred calories, it is yeah. two thousand calories. You know, you got an issue, <laughs> right? You got yeah, a different issue. Okay, next one: drink water, tea, and coffee. Okay, so again, this goes back to the real food thing. It doesn't not about just what you eat; it's about what you drink. And a lot of people are getting in extra calories and extra sugar and excess processed crap through their drinks. So water, tea, coffee, all okay. Almost anything else we should be at least questioning. Yeah. We should at least not just grab it out of routine. So whether that's a smoothie or... Um, um, Ju- really juice? Of any- yeah, so like I was, I was trying to find something like in between type okay. thing, like a glass of milk yep. um, or something like that. Let's at least think about it. And then let's avoid juice Let's avoid sugar mm-hmm. and let's eh, minimize alcohol. Right. <laughs> We're not going to so, go down that road. So but. like, you know, but like the alcohol thing, I get it. It's a very social thing. Yeah. Um, we, we want to be able to, and we've talked about this before as well. Um, to me, three drinks a week is totally appropriate. Now, whether that's three drinks and, you know, um, over two nights or that's one drink uh, every other night, mm-hmm. um, I think that's probably pretty appropriate. 
I like to go with this, um, the gentleman rule, which mm, I hold myself heard to, of this. Yes. which is um, when you go out with friends, when they order a drink, have a drink. Mm-hmm. Like order your first drink with them and drink that with them. When they order their second drink, um, order it, but you're not allowed to finish it. Mm. So in that case, like you, nobody is questioning whether you're like, you're not being social. You'll feel social. You'll feel like part of the crowd, but you also never have more than two drinks. Yeah, that's really funny. If you have one and a half drinks, like you're totally safe to yeah. drive. You're totally um, not going to have any adverse health effects. You're not going to wake up in a bad mood tomorrow. It's like you're getting, it's like a nice kind of line in the sand that I get to play the game, but I'm not going to get hurt. Yeah, it's funny. And, and I never, I've never drank. I've, it's not, not, not something I've done, but in college, I would do a version of that, which is I'd get the first one, but I'd never finish the first yeah. one. And no, and, and I realized really quickly that nobody has nobody pays any attention to it. Right. So I had it in my hand. They pay attention to you when you right, don't when do you the, don't have yes. it, or when you're like, "Can I have a water?" Then yes. they pay attention. If you just have like, they don't know. It's the here's the, the second same. side of that: paying attention though, and we shouldn't be doing things based off of peer pressure. Right. But I get it. Let's we want to also be social, yeah. and sometimes you change other people. Yep. Um, experience by you not doing it. And they all of a sudden, they put up guards, and they're yep. like, "Oh, it's gonna be yep. that kind of night. Should I be?" So if you don't want to do that. Um, that's cool. But also what I love is like, you realize that after the first one, no one's paying attention to you. I love the Winston Churchill saying, which is in your twenties, you're so concerned what other people think of you in your forties. You stop worrying about what other people think Mm. of you in your sixties. You realize (laughs) no one was thinking about you anyway. All right. The next one, uh, eat veggies at every meal. So super nutrient dense. Um, you can eat a lot with a lot of out getting a lot without overeating. It's really kind of, you know, unless you're talking to my wife, it's hard to overeat veggies. Mm-hmm. You know, she can. Yeah. Um, so these people that are like super type A and they load up the entire plate with broccoli, then the next layer is all cauliflower and the next layer on top of that is diced broccoli and cauliflower. And the next <laughs> level on top of that is riced broccoli and cauliflower. Yeah. Like I get it. You can overeat them. Yeah. You're going to have digestive issues before you have like long-term chronic health issues. So just kind of listen to your gut. If you're mm-hmm. farting or you're pooping really badly, um, then you're having too much veggies. Yeah. Other than that, let's try to get vegetables at every meal. And it doesn't mean lots. Yeah. You don't need to go crazy. It's better to have the diversity. So have some leafy greens, have some sweet potatoes, have um, some peppers and tomatoes and carrots and we can yeah. argue whether tomatoes are fruit or <laughs> vegetables. Um, but the idea is have the diversity, have a little bit of a lot, yeah. not you know three pounds of asparagus. Right. And then the thing there is like what you said is that every meal, if you can do that every meal, like you're doing a great job. Like have, you know, whatever, like a full, you know, a full serving of vegetables, even at breakfast. Mm. So breakfast is the hardest one to do yep. for sure. Most people at lunch get a salad with some protein. At dinner, they have a piece of protein with a veggie and a starch on the side like so we can get in. But at breakfast, you know, when when you have a hard time doing this, if you go out and you, um, you're a guy that likes bacon and eggs, okay, um, get a th- um, ask for um, sliced tomato on the side and put some salt on it, and it's really, really good. Now you've gotten some, or get it with a um, a veggie omelet, and you're getting some stuff inside. Like, yep. just try to work in veggies at every meal. Yeah, yeah, that one's actually for me on this list. That's the hardest one. Yeah, for it, whatever being breakfast reason. or, or the, just just getting enough throughout the day. Yeah, and, and it's just actually since since having EC on the podcast, I've been mm. trying harder and been more aware of how bad I was at it before. So yeah, working on it. But, cool. Uh, next one: opt for the best source. Okay, so this means um, um, where's the food coming from? So where are we sourcing the food from? So 
it's kind of like the next level of um, eat real food. So if you're shopping the perimeter and you're doing, um, you know, proteins and you're doing produce, like that's, I just like the PMP, pro- yeah. protein and produce. If you mm-hmm. do that, we can talk about healthy fats in a bit. But if you're doing those two things, you're doing a great job. The next level of awareness is, you know, it matters whether you're getting like, um, you know, crap chicken or like organic, real good chicken. Mm-hmm. So like the, the, I liked the one most, the like farm raised salmon versus wild caught salmon. It's more expensive, but the, the quality of the food is different. So farm raised salmon has um, more fat. So somebody that might be more enlightened might be like, well, that's a good thing because the fat in salmon is the good thing. Farm-raised salmon actually does have a little bit more omega-3s, which is the fat we want to get, but it has a lot more Mm omega-6. Omega-6 is the same bad fat that's in all the processed foods we're trying to eliminate. Mm. So while there's a little bit more omega-3, there's a lot more omega-6. There's also a lot more um, bad things like... um, the word that's coming to mind is carcinogens, but I don't know if that's the right word. So, I'm, um, but like PCBs, mm-hmm. um, there is there can be um, high levels of bad things in um, foods that are not well sourced. Got it. We want to make sure that we're we're sourcing things well. So think organic, wild caught for fish, and grass fed for beef. Um, the one I love is that people are leaning into this and realizing people care about this. So they're putting in like vegetarian, like mm. vegetarian fed cows, or cows, vegetarian yeah. fed uh, chicken. Like That's like, what they eat. That's what they eat. Actually, chickens don't. Chickens are <laughs> omnivores. Chickens uh, chickens eat other chickens. Yeah. But cows, like, yeah. well, like, like, because it says like vegetarian fed cow, like what do, what do you think these cows are like chowing mm. on other cows? Like- that's that doesn't mean it's better. What yeah. we're trying to stay away from is the grain fed. Yep. Now we get into like the really nuancy thing, like, well, is it grass fed and grain finished? Like you go to a good steakhouse and that's how they'll do it. That's better than grain fed personally. Yep. Grain fed essentially means that they the 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 food you're getting was from a feed lot, yep. which is the same thing as like farm raised, which is envision these things. These pools of fish that are just like they don't have enough room to swim. They're on top of each other. There's almost more fish in the area than there is water mm. and think like they have to poop yep. and now they're alive in growing and in, in their own poop same thing with like these chicken coops everyone's heard the nightmares of the chicken coops these chickens are like hormonally fed they're so big they can't walk because they're yep. the chicken breasts are so big they're falling on their faces now they're in their own feces and they can't get outside as opposed to like the happy cows of New Zealand, mm-hmm. right? Which are yeah. like roaming the pastures. They have sunlight on them. There's no bad um, like chemicals. There's no pesticides. There's no hormones. It's all just the way it was intended to be. You know, they're massaging them while listening to classical music. Life this, is good. This episode by far features the most mention of poop that we've had so <laughs> in our 80 plus episodes. Uh, next one is prepare the food yourself. So we, one of our principles of our lives is figure out what you have control over and what you don't have control over. If you are cooking the food, you have ultimate control over that. If you're eating out a lot, restaurants are in the same business as the manufacturers are, which is their goal is to make the food taste really good and get you to come back and want to eat more. So they try to make it taste really good. So they'll put a bunch of crap fats in there, Mm -hmm. you know, like vegetable oils or 
margarines. They're also trying to save money. So it's, it's and the then they'll fold. source it yeah. poorly. Yeah. And then they'll um they'll put you know, they don't they're not in the business of making you healthy. Yeah. So if you eat at home, you have ultimate control over what's going on the plate and eventually into your mouth. So I would say as much as possible, prepare the food yourself. If you can become Captain Tupperware and you go to work every day with your little box lunch and you don't have to go to the the cafeteria or somewhere else to get your lunch every single day. Having said that, if you are going out to eat and it's a necessity for a lot of people with their um, businesses or the way that they've structured their lives, try your best. It's, it is still easy to eat as clean as you can, which yeah. is look for the protein, ask to double up the veggies instead of the starch. So instead of the um, the rice or the French fries, yep. ask for double the veggies instead. Get a side salad as an appetizer, not the nachos. And then ask for olive oil and vinegar um, and ask them not to cook it in anything in vegetable oil. You do that, you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Okay, the next one you you mentioned a little bit, but know the difference between good and bad fats. Oh, good segue, huh? Yeah. So, um, okay. So good fats, talking about like the salmon thing, it's yep. omega-6 versus omega-3 is kind of the big one. There's a whole bunch of different types of fats. But essentially, we want to kind of know, it's not about the science, it's more about the concrete so you can go to like the supermarket and know if you're buying a good one or bad one. Yep. Um, so some good ones are things like, um, so first off, you need fat. Fat is a, a key part of... Um, hormone regulation and health and um, healthy skin and all the rest. So good fats are things like, you know, just not news to anybody, but um, salmon, um, eggs for a lot of people, olive oil, avocados, coconut oil, ghee, things like that. Bad ones are things like margarine, vegetable oils, canola oils, and um, like things like fried foods, like French fries or um, things that are cooked in kind of that crap environment. So if you understand what those good fats are, seek them out. You want to get those things in. You don't need to go crazy with them, you know, like nuts, like you have nuts, Um, but you want to get a nice small serving at every meal. You don't need to, unless you're doing like a ketogenic diet, you don't need to overload those things. If you're doing a normal person diet, um, just have a, a little bit of healthy fats. So we talked about breakfast. Yep. Have your tomatoes on the side, a veggie omelet with a little bit of avocado on top. And yep. You're good to go. Uh, what about, um, you mentioned nuts. What about nut butters? Where do they fall so, in the Yeah, so nut butters are, are okay if they are if they truly are a nut butter. If it's yep. a nut that's been ground up and it's now in a jar. Regular like commercial peanut butters and almond butters are not that. Yep. They have hydrogenated vegetable oils in them, which is the crap, which, which we're trying to avoid at all costs. And they have added sugar in them. Got it. Next one, choose your fuel. Okay, so what I mean by this is um, decide another nice segue yeah. really well. Yeah. Uh, it's like, are you are you choosing to be uh, fuel yourself off of, basically, there's three macronutrients. There's protein, carbs, and fats. Protein um, are not is not the best fuel source. You can, but it's not the best fuel source. It's more about uh, rebuilding muscle tissue. Um, carbohydrates are a fuel. Your body will use it very, very, very easily. It's the it's the body's kind of easiest access to fuel because it's um, glucose. Yep. It's just um, it's just sugar, which is what your body stores its number one energy source anyway in the muscles, the liver, and so on. So figure out if you want to fuel yourself off of that glucose, aka carbohydrates, which don't hear processed foods, thinks yeah. fruit and veggies and things like that, or 
fat? Are you going to be a fat-fueled athlete, which is more like the ketogenic side of things? What you don't want to do is be like, I'm going to try keto and like go off this fat-fueled thing, but then continue to eat tons and tons of carbohydrates. In that case, you're overloading the fuel and all the extra fuel has to go somewhere and it goes to fat storage. Mm -hmm. So it can be used as fuel later if your body gets into a starvation state. If we're able to try and figure out, like I mentioned before, have some, you know, fuel yourself on carbohydrates and then just have some fat at every meal, macronutrient type thing, like have somewhere between like 55, 50, 50 to 100 grams of, of fat um, throughout the day we're going to be in good shape. Mm -hmm. But if you're ketogenic, it kind of flips the script. You're going to have a couple hundred grams of fat every day, but you're going to try to eliminate carbohydrates because any carbohydrates then do not allow you, because the primary fuel source, do not allow you to tap into that ketogenic state to Mm -hmm. burn fat. You're just going to be kind of overloading the body. So figure out if you are a high-intensity athlete, CrossFit, or um, a sprinter, or a a mixed martial artist or a football player or a hockey player, you need to fuel your body off of carbohydrates. If you are an endurance athlete, marathoner plus, so maybe not even half marathoner, that might be depending on how fast you are, um, but certainly marathoner plus, ultras and so on, you have the option of fueling yourself off of fuel. I would also put um, sick people in that category. Mm-hmm. Meaning, yeah, people, I'm sorry, you just said fuel yourself off of fuel. Uh, uh, fuel yourself, fuel yep. yourself off fat. Thank yep. you for catching yep. me there. That's okay. Um, I would also put sick people in that category, which we could lower their carbohydrate uh, intake and put them more on a fat based diet. And I think they'd see a lot, a lot, a lot of benefits out of that. Mm-hmm. What I mean by sick is somebody that needs to lose more than 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Last one we've got uh, eat mindfully. Okay. So one of the one of those five factors was kind of that um, mental yep. aspect to it. Yep. The, the story we tell ourselves about ourselves matters. Just that mindfulness approach to everything we're doing matters. Food doesn't get, an, I know we're busy, but food isn't an excuse to like not be mindful. Yeah. So if you could only eat at a table with no screens, you'd be doing a good job. Yep. So think about like what kind of that parameters that put you around. Like you're no longer eating in your car. You're no longer eating on the run. You're no longer um, eating while making your food, Mm. mindlessly eating. You're no longer snacking at the fridge and then going back to the TV. You're no longer um, um, doing it at your desk. So what what you do is you sit at a table and you don't have a screen in front of you. So now we are like sitting down having a meal so no more snacks. Yep. We're having a meal. And because there's no screens, we are doing what food was intended to be doing, which is in our ancestral past is communal. And um, that's the focus. You want to be focusing on the food. That's a good thing. It lets you know how that you are eating. Mm-hmm. It lets you enjoy it. It lets you get fuller, faster. Instead of this kind of mindfulness thing, you end up like pushing down the sub and realizing, oh my God, I can't believe I don't remember eating that sub. Right. Now all of a sudden you're having a nice prepared meal, sitting down with friends and family and socializing over the meal. And that's what food was more intended to be. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that it touches on some of the other factors, one being mindfulness or mindset, but also that connection element, because that's yep. really what that's really what happens when you do that. And when you do that, most likely people people make 
better choices when they sit down at a table to eat without a screen yeah. than they do when they do any other kind of eating. Yep. If you're going to the movies, you're not going to eat well. If you're at a sporting event, you're not going to eat well. You're not at tables there. If you're at your desk, you might not be eating as well. If you're in your car, you might not be eating as well. Because you opt for what's most convenient. Exactly. Now, if you're going to sit down at a table to have a, you're probably going to have a meal and it's going to be thought out and prepared. Just that alone is like knocking out, like you're almost at 80% right there. Right. Yeah. And um, you guys here at the gym, that was your last, I think it was the last nutrition challenge you did was, was that, It wasn't right? the last one. Okay. That was when we did it. Um, it was a, we did one in between that. Got it. How, how did you find coming out of that, having some distance from that? Um, how did people react to that? So the, the challenge was that, I think maybe there was an element of alcohol too, but it was mostly just, you know, you, what, however you did it, you get a point if you eat a meal with no screens yep. at a table, right? That was yeah. the rule. Um, having some distance from that, do you feel like that? Was a habit that stuck for people or did it stick with you? Um, I think it brought, so I know it stuck with some some people. We do these challenges and we get about, a, usually we get between like 90 and 160 people to, to, yep. to participate. Um, what we look for out of those challenges is for people to raise the level of awareness, raise their level of consciousness and change a habit or two so that when we pull the challenge away, we know that they're going to slide back, yeah. but they don't slide back to where they were before. Right, right. So we're trying to basically raise the bar. And when we did that challenge, what we had was, and what we're really looking for is for everyone to go up like a percentage point or two across the board. And then what we love to see out of that 100 people, and we're only going to get this one, two or three people that changed their lives. Yeah. Um, and I'm bringing this up because I can, when you said that, I have one, um, one person that said it changed their lives mm. where- all of a sudden they became incredibly mindful of their, they're a mindful person anyway, yep. the yoga partic- yep. uh, pract- um, practitioner. Yes. Yeah. They do yoga. <laughs> they do yoga. Um, That's how CrossFitter says. But, but, uh, but they said it, um, it really did change their perception of food and what food is and how it should be um, enjoyed. Yeah. All right, my man. Those are your 10 principles of eating or of nutrition. We will see everybody next week. Thanks, Patrick. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.